story uh, that is told about legendary fo football coach Vince Lombardi. He was once asked this question. He said, what does it take to make a winning team? And these were his words. He said, there are a lot of coaches with good ball clubs who know the fundamentals. They have plenty of discipline, but they still don't win the game. He said, then you come to the third ingredient. If you're going to play together as a team, you've got to care for one another. You've got to love each other. Each player has to be thinking about the next guy. And they need to be saying to themselves, if I don't block that man, Paul's going to get his legs broken. i got to do my job well in order that he can do his. He said, that's the difference between mediocrity and greatness. It's the feeling that the guys have for one another. Preacher who told the story said this, in healthy church, Christians need to care for one another. They need to take seriously the command of Jesus to love one another. Because when you do that, you contribute to a winning team. Let's pray. Father, please open our hearts, our minds, our eyes to the truth of your word. Help us to be stirred today, not by illustrations, not by points made, but by the word of God. To Do what we ought in this all important and biblical matter of caring for one another or love. So help me to say the things that ought be said, and I pray that your word would have its intended effect for the glory of God and that it would make a difference in the ministry of Spring Meadow Baptist Church in the lives of the individuals that are here today. And I will thank you for what you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen. Last month, we encouraged you to memorize verses which speak about this secret of a winning team. So, you have your Bible, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You should already know the reference, and you should already know the verses, because they were our memory verses for last month. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In fact, we'll go ahead and do what we have done all this past month, We'll say the reference and then verses 9 and 10. So say the reference with me and let's say the verses one more time. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren that ye increase more and more. These verses urge us to have this quality called love. Three things we're going to consider this morning. First, we're going to look at the Word of God and what does the Bible have to say about the subject of love, these verses specifically. Then we're going to look at the work of love as presented in the text. And finally, we'll spend a little bit of time talking about the walk of love. So there you go. You got your outline. Don't blame me if you don't get the points today, all right? But that's what we're going to do very simply. We'll just spend a little bit of time, and let's see what God has to say. First, the Word of God. Now, it would be impossible for us to consider all that the Bible has to say about the topic of love because the Bible is full of admonitions in this regard. 
the focus is going to be on our text, the text that we're confronted with here. And we're going to say, first of all, from the word of God, that this is a command. Now, you might look at these verses and say, well, wait a second, pastor. Why do we say this is a command? The text doesn't say that it's a command specifically. But I would suggest that it does. Notice, if you would, these words. But as touching brotherly love, ye need that not that I read unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Paul said about love, he didn't need to write to this church because they had already been taught about this matter of love. Where did they learn it? The source we see in this passage was from God himself. Where did they learn love? So that's why I would say it's a command because God is the one who taught these people this is something that you need to have. God teaches all people the same thing. So what, is, what does that have to do with stating this is a command? Well, because the teaching of God tells us this is the case. And if you want to find that to be true, turn, if you would, to John chapter 15. Let's take a moment to look there. John chapter 15. Jesus Christ is talking with his disciples. He's about to give his life for the, for the saints. He's about to die on the cross for the sins of the world and provide a way of salvation to show ultimately the greatest sign of love that anyone can show for a friend, and that's to give his life for them. And as Jesus is prepared to do that and heading that way, he has this instruction time. John 14 and 15 and 16 are Jesus teaching to his disciples at the end of his ministry with them. In verse 12, we read this, these words, this is my commandment. Okay, so what is God's commandment? That ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. And so as Jesus is speaking with them, he brings out this, this message that, by the way, he's already brought out to them. And it is that they need to love one another. It was a command that Jesus gave. You know, it's interesting to me, because we live in a day in, in, in Christianity. We have people that are telling us, well, look, we're no longer under the law. And they are correct. We are not under the Old Testament law. Isn't that great to know? Aren't you glad that we don't have to make all the sacrifices they do and have all the other feast days and all the other things that the, the Jewish world was required to do by God in the law, the Old Testament law? But understand this. There are still laws to follow. And one of the laws, if you would, of the New Testament is the law of love. And it's something that God expects, not, not God not only expects, but that God commands of his children. So when we get to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and you don't have to turn there, we're going to get there in a few moments, because I want to look at one other passage in John. But as we get to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we look at this instruction that he says, hey, look, you've been taught of God to love one another. Understand this. This is a command. This is something that God expects of us, and he is the one who actually gave that instruction. Someone shared, though, an interesting thought. Although most would argue Paul was referring to the words of Jesus in John 15 that we just looked at, someone said this. In the phrase, we read the words, they are taught of God. Now, if you're to take the time to look it up, and I, as I was reading, I was interested to find that phrase isn't found in any other place in the Bible. It is only found here. 
and the commentator suggested that this is not just something that is external, and we could look at the teaching of Jesus Christ and the words of Christ in John chapter 15, but he suggested that the teaching of God was something that God does internally. That when someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, God puts it within their heart that love is something that's right. Love is something they ought to do so that this truth is not just a command externally that God has given. This is what you're supposed to do. But he believes that the idea of this phrase is that God internally says to every Christian, you're supposed to love. I've loved you. Now you love. That God's spirit within. In fact, the Bible talks about how God's love is poured into us in Romans chapter 5. So we could argue that he has good basis for this for this phrase, meaning that, hey, look, internally, those who are part of the family of God are given a realization that love is something that should be part of our life. In fact, John wrote about it in 1 John uh, chapter 3 and verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life. How do we know that? Because we love the brethren. He didn't say because we follow the command of love. He says because we love the brethren, because this is something that has been put within our hearts. And this is what God wants us to work on and God wants us to develop. So within the heart of believers is a knowledge of the value of the love that God puts there. And the words of Jesus Christ command us to love. This is an important thing. Now, the reason I told you I wanted you to stay in John 15 is because, or the book of John, is because I want you to go back to John 13. And I want you to think not only about, um, as we talk about this command, the source of the command, but I want you to consider the standard of measure. Now, I can't have you in 1 Thessalonians 4 see the standard of measure, but I was reminded as I read in John 15, and then I went back and looked at John chapter 13, that there is a standard by which we are to measure our love. So look at verse 13, or 34 of John 13. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. And then notice the next phrase. As, say it with me, I have loved you. When we come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we read in verses 9 and 10, we're supposed to love but whether we want to argue that was external message of Jesus Christ, it was, or whether it's internal that God works within our heart, the truth is we've been instructed in God that love is something he expects and he desires of us, he wants of us. And we need to understand that there's a standard by which we're to measure ourselves. And here's the thing, we'll never measure up because Jesus loved us more than we could ever love one another. He did. Jesus loved me in, in a way that, um, that we can't measure. And so when we come to 1 Thessalonians 4, we might say, you know, I love the brethren. Good. But that comment more and more is based upon the fact that God is the one who teaches us and God is the standard. So we can always, always come to this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and say, I got work to do. You know, I was thinking, at the end of the service, one of the things that I'm, I'm finding about this, this theme of more and more in a number of verses in Scripture is that um, 
it's great for invitations. You see, if we have an invitation today and I say, how many need to love more and more? Guess who would have to be coming down the aisle? And it's not just my hand that would be up. Guess who? Guess how many others would have to be coming down the aisle? And yeah, you and everyone else in this room. Not because I'm looking at you and saying you are a failure. But the truth is because we have a standard of Jesus Christ and we haven't measured up to that. In all our lives, God says there's always going to be a goal and there's always going to be progress we can make in this. So we need to do it more and more because the one who told us to love, loved us. And the one who loved us gave us the standard by which we can measure our love. So none of us can come to these verses and say, I'm good. All of us have to come to these verses and say, if you give an invitation today, Pastor, I have to come forward. Hey, that's a good idea. No, we won't do that. We won't ask it that way because the, the truth is there's no one in this room who's part of the family of God and saved that measures up. The other day at her daughter's house, I was doing a few things to help, and Rebecca mentioned she had a, a, a laser level. Try to say that a number of times over and over. A laser level, laser le yeah, okay. Try to, yeah. I'm gonna stop right there. She said she thought it wasn't working properly, and it seemed like the line wasn't truly level. Like It was kind of like going downhill, which, by the way, sometimes a level, when you put it on a wall, don't put any levels on the walls around this building because you're going to look and you're going to say, it looks crooked, you know? It really. And the fact of the matter is it's the building that's crooked. It's not the level, all right? Probably. But anyway, uh, we checked it out, and it appeared to be working properly. But think of what might happen on a project if the level she had wasn't actually reading properly. If it was indeed off by even a, even a half inch. Because if you then measure, and it, let's say it's over a, a half inch over, over 10 feet, if she's measuring 50 feet, it's going to be off inches. And that's going to be a serious thing. It would cause great problems if, if someone who was building a building... Uh, like this one, uh, you know, in their in their mind, they had a measure that wasn't right, or a, a, like a measuring tape that was just one sixteenth of an inch off or an eighth of an inch off. You might say, "Well, that's not a big deal," but the truth is, it would be a faulty standard. And if you have a faulty standard, you can't have right measurements. And here's the thing: when we make evaluation a lot of times about the matter of love. It's easy. It's human nature for us to look at other people. It's, it's human nature for us to say, well, like we talk about church attendance. Well, I go to church as much as so-and-so. But well, here's the truth. So-and-so ain't the standard. Do you understand that? I mean, whether it's church attendance or whether it's love or, or whatever is the standard, often it's, well, we always pick the standards that are below us. Right, right, so we say, oh, well, I attend more than, you know, I'm here at church more than. Okay, well, then make me your standard because I'm here just about every day. <laughs> I win! But, but the, the truth of the matter is we too often make the standard other people when God love really does set himself up. Jesus Christ set himself. Hey, look, look, you want a standard, the 
just want you to know, you love others and you love one another like I've loved you. And when we, when we do that, um, yeah, it makes us feel bad. But that's good. And there are times we need to feel bad. There are times we need to feel guilty about our, our failure to be what God wants us to be. Because if we don't have that time of guilt and if we don't deal with it, then there won't be any change. And sometimes in life, we make ourselves feel good when God says, I want you to feel bad. Not because I want you to feel bad, but because I love you and I know you need this. This is one of those topics where all of us need it. But if we make the standard, well, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a loving person. And, um, but if we make the standard other people other than Jesus Christ, we're making the wrong standard today. So we come to this passage, and we understand that this is a command. And the speaker, the source of the command is God himself. And the one who is the standard of measure is Jesus Christ. Now, you might then come to this passage and say, all right, I feel guilty, but I'll never measure up to Jesus Christ. I understand that. So let's go back to 1 Thessalonians. As we go back to 1 Thessalonians, I want, to, I want you to look at a verse that's actually a little bit earlier in chapter 3. Because in chapter 3, he talks about the same subject, increasing and abounding in love. Which, by the way, reminds me that this isn't just some, some topic that he pulled out of thin air. Twice in this book, he talks about the subject. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, he says... In verse 11, now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Now, Paul makes an interesting statement here as he talks about increasing and abounding in this matter of love. The more and more that God wants. Okay, so we talked about God being the one who gives it. We talked about the fact that Jesus Christ said himself, all right, love others as, as I've loved you. And we might come to that and say, no hope for me. I can't be like Jesus Christ in this. There's too many unlovable people at Spring Meadow Baptist Church. Well, I won't disagree with that. And now I just got myself in trouble with everyone. We're all different people. We all have different personalities. That's one of the amazing things about Christianity. You know, every time we go on vacation, we go to churches in different places. We, we go to church. By the way, you go on vacation, you don't vacation from God. You should go to church somewhere. You should go to church faithfully, just as faithfully as you, as you come here. Okay, boy, that was a free advertisement for church. But you should. You should be in church. You shouldn't. Oh, yeah, we're taking a break from God. You take a break from God. So we go to churches all the time while we're on vacation. Yes, we go on Wednesday night. We, we seek to find a church. We go to a Sunday morning. We, we even go to Sunday school. We go on a Sunday night. Yeah, we do. The thing I found is that in every, any church we go to, we look for an independent, fundamental Baptist, Bible-preaching church, church like ours, hard to find. We seek to find them. And I found that we can go in those churches and, it's amazing how well, we usually find someone that we know in some way or we have a connection with in some way. Um, just the other day, we saw someone, if you, you know the Thompsons, who used to be here at Spring Meadow, Tim and Brittany Thompson, 
we would think that their parents attended. We had no idea that they attended that church or they were part of that church. So we have to see connection. But the other thing is, is that we go into church with people that we don't even know. And here's the truth. It's, there's, there's just a, a common bond. There's, there's, there's a love. It's just evident. And it's a wonderful thing. It really is. And um, it's something that, that God has given and God does. And what I love about the verse we just read is that Paul said, and he understood this, that you and I can't manufacture this love ourselves. Notice what he said at the beginning of that verse. He said what? The Lord. It's up to God to do this. There is people, there are people in this in this church, no matter how different we are, okay, that may be difficult to love. Not because, not because they're nasty people. I, I really don't know any nasty people in our church. But because we're different people. We have different personalities, we have different likes, we have different dislikes. Isn't that true? I don't understand why you don't like the things I like and, and you don't dislike the things that I do. But that's the way it is. And there's a lot of differences that we may have. But here's the truth. With God's help and with God's strength and with God's power, we can love one another. And God has commanded it. But here's the thing. God is also the source of your strength. And I'm encouraged by that. Because then I come to a, I come to a situation where, and you may come to a situation where you say, well, you know what? They run me the wrong way. I just don't like the way Brother Diaz talks to me. That's not true. Well, <laughs> no, it's it's not true. But you know, I, you know, he just he just bugs me. The things that, that he wants, I just I just don't. I don't. Okay, look, that may be true, but here's here's the fact. Okay, if that was true, and it's not, that I could still love Brother Diaz through God's strength, through God's help, because God's the one who commanded me to do it. God is the one who has already loved me and given me the example. And God is the one who strengthens me to do what he's asked me to do. So that here's the truth in this matter. There's no one in this church who is a Christian can't love. No one. If you're willing. And such is what we find in the book which talks about and emphasizes this matter of love. Now, we find not only a command, but we find a commendation in the word. You see, the word does give us a command in our text, but it gives a commendation of this church. Look at verse 10, if you would, back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because after he says, you taught of God to love one another, you would almost expect him to say, now you need to work on this, people. But he doesn't start there. He actually does say you need to work on this, people. But it's not in a bad sense. And it's not beating someone over the head saying, you got to do this. You know what he says at the beginning of that verse? You're already doing it. It's good. This is good. And by the way, I can say this this morning, and I'm thankful for that. There does this seem to be a real spirit of love amongst God's people here at Spring Meadow. And I am very grateful for that. So I am not at all this morning preaching a message saying, you ain't doing anything. Get going. The truth is, you are. But that's why this 
passage is, I think, so challenging to me because he says, yeah, you are, but you can still work on it. See, if, I, if, the, if the invitation this morning is, can you make improvements in love, everyone would have to come forward who knows Jesus Christ as Savior. Because this is something we can always work on. It's because the standard is Jesus Christ, and uh, unless we've given our lives for one another, we've got, we, we can do more. Does that make sense? Do you, do you understand that? This is really beautiful. So it's a combination of these people. He's saying, as by the way, I could say as a pastor this morning, you know what? I have observed, and I do observe, a love that God's people have for one another. And I am very grateful for that, and you are to be commended for that as a church. And I thank God that I can say that. Not all pastors can say that. But I also want you to know that although I say that, there's still something for you in this text. Because although we may be able to say that, and we may be able to say, there are great things going on here at Spring Meadow Baptist Church. He says this, we beseech you, brethren, in verse 10, that ye increase more and more. So let's talk about now the work of love. We looked at the word of God. Now let's talk about this work of love. And notice, if you would, in verse 10, as he continues this challenge, he says, we beseech you, brethren. I want you to see the call, and I, and I hope you'll catch the vision. These words, beseech you, are, are, and are Paul imploring the people to continue to work on this? Now, now, think about that. Why do you need to beg people to work on something they're already doing? Because there's, there are always positive steps to be made in this matter. Now, I don't know what it means for you, and I don't know exactly what's going to need to happen in your life for you to love God's people more and more. But I will say this. There's no one in this room that, that doesn't need to work on it and can't work on this matter of loving one another more. So here's what you need to be doing as we work through this message today, thinking, what does it mean to do this more and more? I mean, it's one thing to memorize these verses, but... But it's no good to just memorize verses and say, ooh, I got the verses this month that pastor told us to memorize. What God wants us to do is to be thinking about in these verses, what does more and more look at like in the matter of love for one another? How can I love God's people more? And Paul is just begging these people at this church who are already doing it to think about that. Please think about this this morning. What can I do more? Pastor said, we're doing good. Woo! Okay, think now about what you can do more. And Paul just, those, the wording is, and, and the picture is this, he's imploring them. I, I'm just saying that. And you say, why would Paul do that? Because um, Paul spent a lot of time in prison there. And he knew how important it was for, for people to love one. Because Paul dealt with churches that had problems. And he knew how important it was. God's people love one another. I mean, you say, what churches had problems? Corinthians. Read about it. These people had issues with one another. And Paul understood then this vital necessity. So he said, as he looks at the church, you know, I see some great things, and I want to commend you for that. It's good. I'm begging you to keep working on this because the truth is, if you're not working on it, you're going to go the other direction because our human nature 
wants to get petty about things to stop loving people. A human being wants to get petty with you and say, well, I don't know. What are deals want they need to say hello. Did you walk by me and not even say hello? I don't know. No, you just haven't even said hello to me today. <laughs> I'm getting myself in real trouble. Brother Deals is going to have to work on loving me after the service. It's obvious. <laughs> He's been working on it for some time. Because yeah. he doesn't like <laughs> all those things I said about maybe he would. Okay. You know, we, we, we can. You know, I'm glad we can, by the way. I, I do believe he's kidding. I am, sincerely. Yeah. All right? I'm, I'm thankful for him, and, and, and I love him, and I'm thankful that God has, has brought him and his wife to our church. And I am uh, grateful for you as well. Uh, but I, I do know this. I, I know that, that we just need to continually work at this, and, and we need to be concerned about it. Because here's a guy who understood that if we don't keep working on this, we're going to get mad at one another and we're going to have problems. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of churches that do. A lot of churches have factions within the church. Doctor little groups. Some places I've even heard of where people sit on one side and people sit on the other side. And they won't talk to one another. Let me tell you something. That's not a biblical church. Those people are not godly people. Because godly people love one another. And they have to work at it. And they have to continually work at it. And even if they're already doing it, they still need to work at it. So there will never come a time where we can just kind of, as the saying goes, rest on our laurels and say, yeah, we did it then and we've done it. And boy, things are going great right now. Because that can change at any time. And the truth of the matter is we still haven't reached the standard, right? And the standard is Jesus Christ God. So we've got this work to do. And he begs them then as he comes to them. It's this call is catch the vision of the need of love. Um, I, I think one of the reasons why uh, we don't talk a lot about the subject and why a lot of churches struggle with this is because we don't know the persecution that the early church knew in America. I really think that if we understood what Paul understood and had been through what Paul had been through as a, as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, that we would want to be at church all the time just to see God's people. Now, I'll tell you this, in, in all honesty, I think we're headed that way as a country. There's things going on that just hard to fathom. I know we've, we've said it and I don't, you don't want to keep harping on it, but there's some really bad things taking place today in our world. Bizarre things. And I believe there's coming a day when, when Christians won't be able to stand up and, and speak the truth without facing either ridicule, which by the way we already are, or maybe even worse. There will be a day, if that comes, where you and I will understand what Paul said when he said, I get it, I'm not asking for that day because I'd rather not face that. But I do know this. I know that Paul's heart was so affected by this that he just begged these people to keep working at it. And I want to do the same thing today to you. Whether you understand the reason or not, God's people in this church need you to love them. 
They do. And they need to know it. And you need to work on that. And you need to keep working on that. And today, we need to get down to that business and not just be a people who talk about and quote a verse, but people who practice a verse and make it part of our lives and think to ourselves, how can I love God's people better? You know, I've been, we've been talking about and, and, and it seems like we're harping on it all the time about someone coming to church. But do you know that's one way you can love God's people by being here all the time? Just being around God's people and being with God's people is, is just a way to express express our, our love for one another. You know, people who love one another ought to be run, around one another. Isn't that true? I, I always think the greatest illustration is some, some guy that's in love with a girl or a girl who's in love with a guy. But what, are they, what are they doing all the time? You know, they get married and they stop talking. You know? Unfortunately, that's the way it happens in some cases. Shouldn't, but that's the way it happens in some cases. But but up until that time, and by the way, when they get married, if they have a right marriage, they're going to talk, and they're going to continue that. And the truth is they want to talk to one another and want to be with one another every time they possibly can. They'll make sacrifices to do that because they love one another. So, so, so let me ask you, I'm serious. Are there improvements you can make on your love of God's people? We're talking about God's people here. Him and your people. Believers and the people of God. And if there are some things you can improve on, get going. Let's do it. So catch the vision, a call. There's a challenge to be really committed to this. We beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. You see that word increase? Go back to verse 1, if you would, of this chapter. It says, furthermore then, this sounds familiar, it should. We memorized this at the beginning of the year. Furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would, what's the next word? Abound more and more. You say, pastor, different words. Actually, they're the same word. The word means to superabound. So the challenge is we need to be committed to this. Catch the vision. We need this. I beseech you. And then abound in this. Superabound. Make it important. Be diligent. I don't know how else to put it. Be committed to this. Earnest effort. So, so look. Um, come looking to love God's people. Can I ask you to do that this next week? Come looking. Come to church looking to love God's people the way God wants you to. And as you think about that, it will make a difference in how you act towards God's people. If you're coming just to get, I got my Sunday, I got my Sunday responsibility done. God had his time. Then, then you are not going to be fulfilling this admonition. But if you're coming saying, I want to learn from God because he's got something to teach me, and we do open the Bible and learn from the Bible every week, but I also have people to love. And I don't come to church just to learn, but I also come to love. It makes a huge difference. It would make a difference in this church if God's people came to church looking for that. Because then 
thing when we talk to people, it's not going to be, hi, how you doing? Yeah, everything's wonderful, fine, good to see you today. Like we do sometimes. Hey, you're, you're looking a little tired today. Had a rough week? Something I can pray for, for you and with you about? Don't you think that would be the kind of the kind of church that should be fostered by believers? Hey, how, how's your week been? And where a Christian would actually feel that they could tell you if it's been a rough week. Now, you're not going to do that with everyone. And by the way, I've been to churches and I've been in places in past ministries where I, I didn't want to ask someone how they were doing because they tell me. <laughs> have, you, have you ever been there? Yeah. Oh, I don't want. I never ask so and so how she's doing or how he's doing because, oh man, I'm going to hear a story and it's never good. Okay, know that. I'm thankful we don't have that going on. But there are people like that. You know, you're going to hear the whole story of the week and how how bad it was, how miserable it was, um, and and I and I get that. But the truth is that we as a people should should care about one another enough so that if someone if someone did come to church and they had a, f a frown on their face, we'd care enough and we'd be willing to sit down with them and say, tell me about your week. Tell me about what's been going on. And let's, let's pray together about it and let's ask God to help. And that we would, we would contact one another. Today we have so many ways to contact people. And it's, and it's so easy even before you had to actually write a letter and put it in an envelope and then have to address the envelope and then have to put a stamp on it and bring it to the post office. Today, instantly, you can contact, we can contact our missionaries. Thought about you today. Praying for you. Anything I can pray with you about. Thinking about you. Aren't there ways we can love? Look, let's just not talk about it. Let's do it. That is, that's 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10. The call, the challenge, it's a choice. It would not be unusual for you to hear from someone having marital problems. Well, I no longer love my husband, no longer love my wife, whatever would be the case, right? You ever talk to someone who's having problems in their marriage? I no longer love. Have you ever heard anyone say something like that? You know, that, that love is no longer there. I don't know how they word it, but they'll word it somehow like that. If you have ever heard someone say that, it wouldn't be unusual to hear that. But when they say something like that, they're saying that love is primarily emotion, which I don't have any control in any way. And the, the thinking of one who makes that statement might be, well, look, there's no hope for my marriage because I've lost my love. But what's encouraging in the Bible is that when God talks about love, he says this is something you can do. So you might think, well, look, the love is lost. And maybe you say there's someone in our church that I used to have a good relationship but I don't have as good a relationship with anymore. Something has come between us. All right, here's the thing. Love is a choice. And that's what this verse in, these verses indicate. 
Love is indeed a choice. You can do it, and you can love them more and more. You can do that with your mate if you've got marital problems. You can do that with your children. You can do that with your, your best friend. You can do it with the person who your relationship has been ruined. You can do it with your relatives. You can make the choice to love. We're reminded of that in this passage as well as every other one that says love one another. Now, our, our text, if you go back to it again, involves action, right? Because you can't just, you, you can say it. You can say, I love God's people. But this passage is talking about actions, right? We beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. So how, how are people going to know you love them more and more? You come back next to you and say, Pastor, I love God's people more. I'm, I'm increasing in them. All right, how do they know that? How do we know that? How are people going to know you love them more and more by what you do? So that's why I put as the final point of the outline, the walk of love. You might say, I already love the brethren. You might be able to give concrete examples of way you ways you manifest love for the brethren. I pray for God's people. Awesome. I've prepared meals for those who've had surgeries. Um, I, I've, I've made some visits. I, I've did, Okay, all right, great. But our text says abundance and more and more. So what more can I do? Um, sometimes I'm content doing what I think I should do. And God challenges us in this passage to think, what can I do more? What can you do more? How could you, in a better way, show your love for God's people this week? Are, are, you, are you thinking? Or are you just kind of going in and out? Are you, are you thinking? How can I show God's love better to God's people? All right, then. Put it into practice in some way. That's 1 Thessalonians 4. Get going. Don't be one who's, who's I, well, you know, I, I just, I, I haven't gotten really that. I, I let people love me. No. No. This is for you. Do something about it. So, that's the Bible. Now, what will you do with it? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. What will you do? What will you do?